Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Church, church, I'm excited. I hope you're excited for tonight. All right, you may take your seats. Come on. Where's my junior hires, high schoolers at? Straight out of camp, incredible. Just like Davina said, summer camp is exhausting, is trying. Trust me when I say this, I've been in protests, I've been in riots, and I've had riot gear on for hours, and it does not compare to summer camps. It's grueling, but it's worth it. It is worth it, I'm here to tell you. So. If you are a junior high or a high school leader, why don't we just stand up? If you're a leader, these people pour their hearts and souls out to serving this generation. Why don't we give a hand, clap for them? Incredible. Thank you, thank you. So many epic leaders. Man, summer camp is incredible. Is Leo Lopez here? Leo? Where are you at? Production, running production. Somewhere out here. Leo, stand up wherever you're at. There he is. Come on, Leo. So Leo today actually launched his first uh, faith club at Eastlake High School. It was his first day today. 45 high schoolers showed up in that classroom today. Seven of them gave their life to Jesus. We had about a few of our kids there. It was incredible. Leo, God is going to continue to use you, man. Just wait and see what he does. The beautiful thing about this is Leo actually shared his testimony today of how last year he came to this church. It was summer camp was his first experience to this church. And literally, Leo was quiet and really talked to anyone. And literally, to see the transformation that has taken place over this last year in his life is incredible. For him to be leading on a public high school, a faith club, it's incredible to see the work of God that he's done in his life. So, yeah, let's give it up for Leo. Incredible, credible leader. Yes. I've had my own experiences with summer camp. Lori was actually there for one of them. Um, it was a time when uh, I, I hadn't, I kind of was, you know, it was my wilderness years. Teenage years were very bad for me. That's why God called me into high school ministry um, because I was so broken. But I went to a summer camp and literally God like refilled me with the Holy Spirit and I began to speak in tongues. Lori was actually there. We were in a, in a circle and uh, I remember singing that song. You guys probably remember it, Here I Am to Worship. You guys remember that? Here I am to worship, right? So we're singing that. The Holy Spirit just filled me. But the funny thing about it is I know the Lord has forgiven Lori, but she used to make fun of how I spoke in tongues. She she used to say I I went boobily, 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 boobily. The Lord has forgiven her. It's all good. (laughs) But all that to say is that camps are incredible because you encounter God. You experience God in a powerful way. And it's literally life-changing um, camp, but that, that's, that, why do we have an encounter? Why do we have an experience with God? It's because God wants to get to, he wants us to get to know him. And as we get to know him through his word, we begin to know who we are, who we were created to be on our identity. 
actually saw a video recently where a pastor, um, he used to be involved in a lot of witchcraft and the occult. He was a shaman. He ends up giving his life to Jesus, and he walks into a psychic reading room, like filming, meets with this psychic, and he's asking her a bunch of questions. He's, like, establishing some ground there with her, and, like, he begins to minister to her, which is incredible. He does an incredible job. And at the end of this, this video, he, uh, he begins to give her words of knowledge into her life, begins to prophesy over her. And literally she says, you know what, I grew up, uh, I grew up Christian. She said, I used to go to youth groups. I used to cry for the power of God. And, and, and I, started, I started thinking about that. And I asked God, I'm like, like, what happened? And I feel God revealed to me it was because she never knew his word. She never knew his word. So it's easy to get wrapped up in the spiritual things. But if you're not rooted in his word, you're not going to know who he is. And it's easy to be deceived by doctrines of demons. And that's exactly what happened in her life. It is, it is important to know who you are, who you were created to be, the purpose that God has for your life. One of my favorite things to do right now, I've been um, doing investigations for about two and a half years and in that time, I've, I've investigated like over 300 cases. A lot of them dealing with attempted murders, shootings, stabbings, uh, I mean, rapes, sex crimes, burglaries, robberies, you name it, I've probably investigated it. And, but one of the funnest things about uh, being a detective is getting to identify somebody in a case. And it's not like CSI, when you find DNA, the results don't come back till like a year and a half, two years later. So a lot of times we, re we rely on, like, video surveillance, um, trying to, you know, see if people recognize these, uh, these suspects. Um, and then when it comes to, say, a crime is committed, like, say, there's a burglary and somebody breaks into someone's house. They see them. The suspect runs out. person calls the police and says, hey, so-and-so looks like this. He's running. He jumped in this car. He's taking off this way. And as officers are on the scene or heading to the scene, they see someone that matches that description. They end up stopping them to investigate whether this is the suspect. What we do in these cases is we do something called a curbside lineup. Curbside lineup is when we try to identify, is this the person that broke into that house? I'm going to read you the admonishment of what we actually read our witnesses or our victims when we transport them to identify a suspect. This is what it says. It's the witness admonishment. It says, I want you to look at someone we have detained. Do not conclude from the fact that we have detained someone that he or she is the guilty party. You are not obligated to identify anyone. It is just as important to free an innocent person as to identify the guilty person. Be aware that sometimes people commit crimes will try to disguise their appearance by changing clothes and wearing hats, sunglasses, or wigs. Do not say anything or make any gestures, nod, point, etc., until you have totally viewed this person. The title of my message today is Mask Off. Mask Off. There are certain things in this life that want to disguise themselves and mask themselves in your life so that they can destroy you or delay you from what God has intended for your purpose and your plan. Mask off. 
And I'm going to give some context around the story I'm going to be talking about. It's actually found in 1 Samuel. And in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, it's about 100 years of recorded history. 1 Samuel was about 1,000 years or so before Christ comes into the picture. And in that 1 Samuel, you see the life of Samuel. You see the life of, of King Saul, of David. And there is a psalm that David writes, Psalm 34, during a time when he's on the run from King Saul. King Saul is trying to, to kill him during this time. And this, this psalm is going to set up where I'm drawing from in my points. And I'm going to read it. This is a time, remember, where he's running around hiding in caves from King Saul because King Saul wants to kill him. It's Psalm 34, verse 4 and 5. And it says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their face. It says, I prayed to the Lord, he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. See, fear wants to keep you in slavery. Fear wants to keep you captive and in bondage. But the beautiful thing about God is that he will free you from fear. You don't have to live under that captivity. Those who look for him for help will be radiant with joy. How are you radiant with joy? It's when you look up to God. What keeps you from looking up to God? It's our own pride. Our own unwillingness to submit to his word, to submit to his instruction for our life. It will literally strip us of joy. Pride will cause us to stumble, to have a downfall. But literally, David writes during this time, hey, I'm looking up to heaven. And what I'm finding is that God is my present help in my time of need. Not only that, but he's bringing me joy during this trying time. Pride. And at the end, it says, no shadow of shame will darken their faces. See, shame wants to hide in the shadows of your life. It will disguise who you really are. You know, I love something that Pastor Jurgen says. He says that, that shame says, there's something wrong with me. Guilty, being guilty means say, hey, I understand that I did something wrong. But shame actually says, hey, there's something wrong with me. It literally darkens your face. In other words, it tries to get you to not understand who you were created to be, your identity in him as a son of the most high God or as a daughter of the most high God. I want to talk about shame. So before I go into all those points, my first point today is unmasked pride. Unmasked pride. The thing about King Saul is this. King Saul was anointed. He was appointed for an assignment. What, where he messed up was he failed to follow the instruction of God. See, Samuel was considered one of the last judges, one of the first prophets. Samuel was somewhat of a quasi-king. He was kind of quasi-king over Israel before they actually had a king. King Saul was actually the first anointed king of Israel. So he united the, the Israelites under a kingdom. The people, that's what the people wanted. They told God, we want a king just like our enemies. We want to be led by a king. And God ended up giving him to them. But God selected him. He anointed him and appointed him 
for the assignment. You could be anointed and appointed and miss out on your assignment. How do you miss out on your assignment? It's when you fail to heed the instruction of God in your life through his word. That's what happened with King Saul. See, King Saul was disobedient. And one of the things that really impacted his life was when Samuel came to him with the word from God and said, hey, destroy all the Amalekites. Take them out. Don't take none of their property. Destroy their property. And what happened was they went and they defeated the Amalekites, but they took the king with them and they took their goods. They took their cattle, their property with them. So when Samuel comes after the battle and he says, what, what happened? That's where we get the scripture, hey, obedience is better than sacrifice. Why? Because what, they tried, what he tried to do is say, hey, I actually took that stuff to give a sacrifice to you, God. But God is saying, hey, I wasn't looking for your sacrifice. I was looking for your obedience. I was looking for your obedience. If you could just listen to my instructions of what I told you. I had an assignment for you and you failed. What happened was at that point, God rejected King Saul. He rejected him. And in the next chapter, you see that God anoints David as the next king of Israel. However, although he was anointed, he was not yet appointed in that time to lead Israel. He was still under the leadership of King Saul. King Saul. And then we know the story, David takes out Goliath. I'm going to read this scripture. This is after David takes out Goliath, the Philistines. And it's out of 1 Samuel 18, verses 6 through 9. And it says, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all of the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing. So the women came out to sing you know, for King Saul. With joyful songs, with, with timbrels and lairs, as they danced, they sang. This is what they were singing. It's quite the song. <laughs> Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. And this is what King Saul said. He said, they have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But with me, only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. It was at that moment when we see pride unmasked in King Saul's life. It was obvious pride was rooted in his heart when he disobeyed God and didn't follow God's instructions. King Saul is an example of you can be anointed and appointed but miss the assignment. In that scripture, it says that King Saul gets, got angry. King Saul got angry. Anger was a symptom of what was rooted in his life. If you follow the anger, it will lead to the pride. Follow the anger and it will lead to the pride that's rooted was rooted in his heart and sometimes can be rooted in our own if we're not careful. I try to ask Lori for an example, and we couldn't quite think of an example, but she had plenty to tell me about this. 
Lori and I have been married for almost nine years now. We've been together for almost 12 years. Yes, my beautiful wife up front. I am who I am because of God and because he gave me my beautiful wife. I always say this, no one disciples me like my wife. And discipleship is discipline. Yeah, she brings correction to me. <laughs> A lot of correction. And she knows this. She, she knows I'm always quick to, to forgive. She knows this. I'm always quick to forgive. Sometimes she gets on me. She's like, you're always saying sorry. Well, yeah, because I want a peaceful home. I don't want World War III in my home. Don't we know what the Bible says? That where there's unity, God commands a blessing. I want to live under that blessing, not under a curse. So, yes, my wife does bring correction. But I notice this. is Anytime we get angry or get in an argument, and if I get angry, if I get angry, and, and, and I say something maybe I shouldn't or act out in a certain way that I know I shouldn't, the Holy Spirit will check me right away. And he'll say, see that anger? There's pride in that moment. That pride has to die. That pride has to die. It's my wife that keeps me humble. It's my wife that keeps me humble. She always sings this song. She says, you don't impress me much. <laughs> but... She knows what impressed. <laughs> she does sing that song, but it's funny. That's how we get over things. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resisted King, King Saul, not because he wasn't chosen, not because he wasn't anointed, but was, it was because he failed to obey the instruction of God given by the prophet of his time. We have to rely on God's instruction in our life. It's really easy, even in those moments, there's instruction from there. I mean, we may see it as something simple in our marriages, a dispute, a division. But if we're not careful to obey what God says, to let there be no other debt than the debt to love, that's the only debt that we should have in our life is the debt to love people. And in those moments, I got to learn to love my wife. It doesn't matter about me. I want unity in my home. I want God to bless my life. So we work at it all the time. I love you, babe. <laughs> Unmasked pride. Unmasked pride. After King Saul hears the women praising David at the time, right? David kills 10,000. You only killed 1,000. You're, you're, you're not much, King Saul. Obviously, gets him very angry. And that anger actually causes him to plot to kill David. He actually wants to kill David at this point. He's like, ah, I had it here. The last thing he, he can take is my kingdom. I'm not going to let that happen. So I might as well eliminate my enemy at this point. Somebody that King Saul raised up to lead his armies. The Bible says that David was successful because God was with him. God was with him, so David won battles. So he did kill in the 10,000s. He was under the assignment, the anointing of God, and he was fulfilling his assignment at the time. But at this point, King Saul plots, I'm going to take him out. And what he does is, there's plenty of, plenty of times where King Saul actually tries to kill David. He tries to throw a spear at him and, and, and some other things. But 
there's this one time where King David is supposed to meet King Saul at a dinner, the new moon feast. And King Saul says, at this feast, I'm going to kill David here. Jonathan intervenes. Jonathan is King Saul's son. Not only is he King Saul's son, but he's David's best friend. David's best friend. So Jonathan ends up getting in the way, intervening, and interrupting the plans that King Saul had to take out David. He says, don't go to that, to that feast. While what happens is King Saul finds out that Jonathan actually told David not to come. And that infuriates King Saul because his own son intervened in his plans to take out David. I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 30. And it says, Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan. And he said to him, this is, I don't know if the mom was there, but this is pretty wild. <laughs> it says, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. I'm sure she would have backhanded him if she was there. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse, who's David's father, Jesse, to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you. As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone, bring him to me, for he must die. See, shame looks to put the blame on someone else. It wasn't King Saul's, it wasn't, it wasn't Jonathan's shame. What did Jonathan have to be ashamed of? It was literally King Saul's shame. How do I know this? Because the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He was literally talking about shame, saying, hey, I'm shaming you right now, Jonathan, for what you did. What was going on in that moment was King Saul felt inadequate. He felt inadequate as a king. Not only that, but he felt inadequate as a father. His own son is going against him. Out of the abundance of his heart, the mouth spoke. He spoke shame. He probably said, like, I must not, I must not be a good father. My own son has gone against me. My own plans, he betrayed me. Shame says, there's something wrong with me. In that moment, he was saying, you know what? There's something wrong with me. You know, when I think about shame, shame will disguise itself in your life so that you don't talk about the things that God freed you from, delivered you from, healed you from, restored you from. Those are the very things that God wants you to testify about so that you can lead someone else into freedom and deliverance in that same area in your life. That's what shame will do. Shame wants to hide in the shadows of your life and keep you shut up. But we know how the enemy's defeated, right? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. It's our testimony. Lori and I, in our first year of marriage, was one of our hardest, well, it was the hardest year in our marriage. There was things that I had hid in, in, in my sin 
didn't tell her about that got revealed in marriage. That's the thing is when you're married, things will come up. You can't hide. I love what, 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 what uh, Dr. Brian said at the marriage getaway, if you were there, but it was towards the end. He said, marriage is God's tool for sharpening you. It's God's tool to sharpen you. And I have been sharpened in marriage. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But during that time, things were revealed that really broke my wife. And we went through a hard time during that first year where I had a fight for my marriage. I didn't think we, would, we could see it out, but I cried out to God and God healed us, delivered us, freed me. And we went on a journey for a couple years of like not having much community, not having much people to share about. But I remember, and we really didn't talk about it much, but there was this one moment where I'm sitting in the living room with my wife, and we get to a point where we begin to discuss this, and literally the Holy Spirit fell on us, and me and my wife were crying and hugging in our living room because we experienced the freedom of God, the love of God, the comfort of God. And it was that moment where everything shifted in our lives. Because then we, we came to this house, we, you know, found community, found friends. And as I got planted here, there was a time where I actually, uh, I've led uh, an immersed team a couple times, but it was like the first time as a captain where I'm standing around the fire with all the men that I was responsible for leading at Emerge. And it was in that moment where I thought the Holy Spirit says, you need to share this because there is some marriages that are on the rocks right now that are ready to get divorced. And I remember at that fire pit, I opened my mouth. I didn't allow shame to keep me quiet in those moments. And I began to speak and I know that God was moving in that moment because he was moving in those men's lives. He was moving in my life. God... He went to the cross for that shame. He went to the cross for that shame. And I want to share a scripture. It's out of Hebrews 12 too. And it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy, because he knew what was going to happen at the end of his crucifixion. Of what freedom that would bring to our life. What restoration that would bring to God and his people to restore what was broken. For the joy. For the joy. And it literally says he endured the cross. The cross was one of, was the most brutal capital punishment of its time. Despising the shame. What was the shame of the cross? He was mocked, he was spit on, he was beaten, he was stripped naked. We always see Jesus, if we see him on the cross, it's like he's covered up. He was stripped naked, on display, beaten for you and I. He took that shame for the cross so we don't have to carry it. So that we don't have to carry it. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he gave his life for us. Who did? God did. God did. 
God did. Unmask shame. I don't know what you've been through in life. I don't know the flaws and mistakes that you have made in life, but there is nothing that could separate you from the love of God. I'm here to tell you today, he took your shame on that cross to give you freedom, to give you redemption, to give you restoration because he loved you. Because he loved you. Because he loved you. Unmask shame. Unmask shame. Unmask shame. Shame is not our portion. It is not our portion. My last point is this. Unmask fear. Unmask fear. 1 Samuel chapter 21 verse 8 and 9 says this. This is a time where David is on the run from King Saul. He goes to a priest and he's asking the priest for some food and, and some weaponry. And he says, David asked Hamilic, don't you have a spear or sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. He was actually not telling the, the priest the truth at the time. He didn't want to tell him that he was on the run. And this is what the priest replied. He says, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you've killed in the valley of Elah is here. It is wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. Do you really think it was a coincidence that a time when David was on the run because he feared getting murdered by King Saul, that he would literally end up in a place where he found the very sword that he chopped off Goliath's head with? In a moment of fear, God reminded him of who he was. The same David who rose up against Goliath and said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. The God of angel armies is on your side. I don't know what kind of fear faces you today. I'm here to remind you of who you are. Of who you are. It was not a coincidence. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he had planned for David. And David needed a reminder at that time that he was the giant slayer. He is a giant slayer. Unmask fear. Unmask fear. Unmask fear. It almost marks three years. Almost three years to the day. It was on a Wednesday night where Lori goes into labor with our first, first child, Luke. And one of the worst things that could happen was in Lori's mind as she said, I, I do not want to get a C-section. It's the last thing that I want. I want to have my baby natural, but she got induced and the labor started. We were in the room for 30 hours, 30 hours. And there's nothing more than Lori wanted was to just be able to get Luke out. That's it, no problem, don't have to get cut or anything like that. And I remember being in that room and us turning worship music and worshiping God and praying to God. It's like, God, don't let this happen, God. We need a miracle. Don't allow them to do this. 
And I remember there was actually a family member there at the time that we, we had no clue she was in the hospital, but she found out. She gave a, a nurse anointing oil from Israel and the nurse delivered it to our room. We anointed the room with oil and we began to go to war. We began to go to war. I had all the faith in the world, but the doctor said, that's it, it's becoming too dangerous. It's becoming too dangerous. Your baby's heartbeat is dropping. His heartbeat is dropping. We don't wanna risk it. We're gonna have to cut you open and take him out. And I remember Lori looking at me. She was looking at me and she said, don't let them do this. Don't let them do this. I never felt so helpless in that moment. I was like, I can't, I can't do anything. They're taking you, that's it. Lori was broken, crying, because her worst fear was coming to fruition. It was, it was coming to life. She did get cut open, took the baby out. Everything was fine. We had a healthy baby. Lori went on to recover just fine. But the beautiful thing about this is my son was born on August 28, 8:28, And this is what the Holy Spirit told me in that moment. He said, Romans 8:28. For I know the plans I have for you. For all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. For all things work together for the good. All things work together for the good. It was a reminder. He gave us peace in that room. Despite the outcome in that moment, we had peace like no other in that hospital room. God was surely with us. We knew that. And everything worked out for, for our good. He reminded us that he was with us in battle. God doesn't promise us a life of no trouble, no issues, no suffering. But what he does promise is that he will be there for you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. If he is for you, then what could be against you? You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You go do all things to Christ who strengthens you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Somebody needs a reminder of what the God of angel armies has to say about your life. He is on your side. He is on your side. It's time to unmask fear. Why don't we all stand up? It's time to unmask fear. We're unmasking pride today. We're unmasking shame today. We're unmasking fear today. The mask is off. No more devil. You have been served with the eviction notice and you got to go in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. For all things work together for our good. You know, God recently spoke to me in regards to my career. Law enforcement was something I never wanted to go in, never dreamed of going into. And it's, it's literally like a dream. It's a dream job for a lot of people. That's all they want to do. And it wasn't my story. It wasn't my story. It wasn't my story yet. He called me. He called me into that field. I know my steps are ordered. 
almost 10 years later, this is what the Holy Spirit told me recently. He said, the reason why I took you to a career in law enforcement was because you were gonna have to learn how to deal with people's brokenness, with people's trauma, with people's worst, worst in life. He was literally preparing me and every time I had to walk into a room where a father witnessed their kid die in the worst pain and had to bring peace in those situations as a peacemaker. Surely the Holy Spirit has been with me through it all. But God was saying, hey, I was molding you. I was shaping you. I was preparing for you because there would be a time where you would have to care for my children where you would have to learn to see them through their problems, through their issues, and you would have to guide them through my word and my instruction. And that's what God does. It's not by coincidence. It's not by coincidence. I asked God, why would you call us into youth ministry when I'm, we're having our first child? And God said this. He said, because I had to give you a heart of a father to father my children. I had to give you a heart so you had to learn how to be a father so you could love my children the way I love them. He was preparing me to be a shepherd. It was never on my radar. It was never my plans. It was always his plans. God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. And the devil is a liar. Shame has to go. Fear has to go. Pride has to go today. This message is for everyone. There's not a day where I don't recognize, hey, pride has to die. No, 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 no. I see you, shame. Not today, shame. Pride, no. Can't have that. Fear, can't have that. This message is for everyone. So this is what I want to do. I want to call you up. If, you, if there's something that spoke to you in this message in any of these specific areas and you want freedom, you want God to move in that area of your life, you want to see breakthrough, you want to see strongholds get ripped down in your life, you want to see freedom from demonic strongholds, I'm here to tell you today that the power of God is in this place. The presence of God is in this place. And for this reason that he came to set the captives free. If that's you today, why don't you just come up to the altar? Just come up to the altar if you want freedom today. Come up to the altar. We're going to pray. There's no shame in this place. There's no shame in this place. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. God's power will show up in your life when you can be humble enough to say, I need you, Heavenly Father, in this area of my life. Come on, let's pray.
Thank you, Heavenly Father, God. We know, Holy Spirit, that you are here in this place, God. We lay it all before you, God. We understand that shame is not our portion. We understand that fear is not our portion. We know, God, that you have freed us from fear. That you give us power, love, and a sound mind, God. That fear is not our portion. We declare in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that the shackles are falling right here in this place, God. That there is freedom in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is here. There is liberty in this place, God. We thank you for what you're doing right now in this moment, God. You are shifting hearts towards you. You are shifting hearts towards heaven, God. I thank you. I thank you for what you have in store in each and every one of their life, God. That you have great plans for them, God. To prosper them and not to harm them. To give them a hope and a future, God. Your will prevail in their life. Many are the plans in their hearts, but it is your will that we prevail. In the mighty name of Jesus, come on. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.